Welcome back to the League Podcast. On today's show, we talk with one-time champ of the League, an agitator extraordinaire, and a math whiz who's teaching us that two plus two is four. This week, we have Anthony on the show. On the heels of a week four victory over Commissioner McFarland, to launch him back to first place in the league, we talked to Anthony about the state of his team, an NFL storyline that's capturing his attention, and we'll open up our mailbag with questions submitted from you, the listener. Thanks for joining. Let's get started. Welcome, Anthony. Hey. Hey, Zach. Thanks for uh, that's an awesome intro. Way to go. Yeah, thanks. And I didn't have the sound effects available to me, so just made up on the spot. Oh, awesome. I, listen, my people catch us in, uh, in post-production, and they'll call your people, uh, and it'll be good. So uh, I do believe this is also a first for the podcast. Uh, I am uh, en route uh, to Washington, D.C. right now, so you may hear me yelling at truckers. Out of my way, I'm recording a podcast. Perfect. All right. Well, you know, keep your attention on the road, but mostly keep your attention on the podcast. All right. So, Anthony, we'll, we'll dive awesome. in. Talk about your team. You came off of a big victory this week. I'm sure it's always sweet to get a victory over Brendan. Four weeks in, you're sitting at three and one atop the league. Tell us what is worth highlighting on your team. You know, uh, you know, it's it's always sweet getting a victory over Brendan, uh, even in his downtrodden years as of late. Um, so I'll always take that. Um, that always puts a little pep in my step. Um, but but joking aside, I think one of the most surprising things I learned from Brendan's data analytics this year, this summer, was that over the last ten years, uh, I have been leading the league in scoring and uh that's a big surprise just because you know it's always fun to be uh you know butt of jokes and and give it as as, uh, as good as uh, uh take it or give it in, in, and take it and uh see that like my crazy scheming uh is fun well, first of all it's fun for me but it's paying off you know quarter way through the season like that that's validation like that's fun to see that i've got a team of, of players i actually like um and i'm bucking like everybody's predictions from the power rankings earlier in the season that had me towards the bottom uh and seeing nick chubb uh you know let's pull back the text messages does anthony know something about nick chubb that we don't and and yes i did that is fun Zach. Let's get into Nick Chubb a little bit later. I'm interested. There are actually, uh, I, I won't necessarily ask it later because um, we have an opportunity here talking about your team, but there were some mailbag questions about Nick Chubb as well. So we will definitely devote uh, some time up front here in our show uh, to Nick. But speaking of uh, crazy schemes, what was your thinking in rock <laughs> construction this year? How did you approach the draft and how have you adjusted your team in the early part of this season? 
sorry, could you repeat the, uh, the, the scheming? How did I approach the draft? You say? Yeah, how did you approach the draft this year? And how did you adjust your, how did you go about adjusting your team in the early part of the season? So the, yeah, definitely uh, had to do a little bit of, a, there was a lot of improv with, uh, with this draft. And I thought a big part of it, I was going to have to auto draft. But luckily, I was able to get home in time and have, you know, an hour. Wow. <laughs> like, I haven't seen, I'd seen the kids in, in a week. So it's one of these, like, work trips where I've been gone. And I said, I love you. I'm here. Uh, let's spend some time together. But daddy needs draft. And shout out to uh, my always uh, wonderful wife, Kara, on that. Uh, for like for making that happen and I remember just being stooped over my kitchen counter with with the Yahoo draft up and saying like all right you know I, I forgot where I picked it it wasn't very good this year and I knew I wasn't going to have uh you know my my pick of the litter but I knew there are definitely some guys that I do not draft but I uh you know I I love the that, that you pointed out Zach you know the one one time champ so I feel like I don't have something to prove and that, you know, I've lost for, I think, like 20 straight years. So if I'm going to go down, I might as well go down with a group of guys I'm actually going to enjoy, uh, like, watching and drafting. So for me, the league is, like, truly a fantasy. Like, I will, I will educate in, in good fun um, and, and swing for the fences. But in the rest of life, I will play it safe. I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll buy index funds and you know, good sweet spot investments. But I would rather have uh, like a swing for a really fun running back. I'd love to watch rather than a uh, like somebody who puts up reliable numbers and it's sort of like you know rather bland and pedestrian. And for me, it was Nick Chubb was one of those uh, guys that I knew like. I think Najee was still on the board. Um, Saquon was there. McCaffrey was there. And I've always wanted to have Chubb on my team. And I said, I will, you know, could be a bit of a reach on this, but the numbers, the research that I've done, I, or I had read on him uh, for his value and his production, I said, A, the value is there, but B, it's going to be fun watching the highlights and having him. So there's a big element of fun for, uh, for my crazy scheme on that. Yeah, so I want, I want to recapture a couple of thoughts that I'm hearing here. Um, one is fun, and, and we heard a similar theme from Steve on the first show. Like, fantasy should be fun. You want to ride or die with guys that you are going to have fun watching, fun cheering for. And I'm also hearing taking risks, right? Having, having one in the past uh, and not having one in the most recent years, you're figuring, what the hell? What, what, do, I have, uh, what do I have to lose here by taking... Um, these big swings for the fences. Um, so talk to us about Nick Chubb, Anthony, because as you just said, there were more highly rated players, according to the experts, according to consensus rankings that were there on the board uh, when you chose, I think, number six overall this year. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and what? You, what? Went with, what? you went with your guy, you swung for the fences, uh, and he is currently the number one running back in the league. So go ahead and take your victory lap, Anthony. What do you have to say about it? <laughs> well, it's uh, w way too soon for that. But um, if everybody 
you know, where's the fun in following the so-called experts? Um, you know, I'm not like Sarah Palin, and I read every newspaper, but um, what I, I'm not sure where I pick up, picked up this article, but when we looked at Nick Chubb's yards per carry uh, in that offense, um, his production would have been, uh, if he had the same amount of carries extrapolated at, say, a Jonathan Taylor or a Dalvin Cook or a Derrick Henry, would have had equally monstrous production. So at a position that really wearing down, there was a lot of, um, uh, there were a lot of naysayers about uh, breaking down or receipts, uh, Derrick Henry reaching that, you know, I think age 29 or 28 season uh, and starting to break down. I said, all right, Nick Chubb kind of there, but he's, he has a lot of gas in the tank because Kareem Hunt has sells him. He's running behind it. an amazing offensive line. And even with, you know, I'm a Jacoby Brissett believer. You know, I think he's played understudy to a lot of a lot of big names, has had his chance to really crack out. And I think he's underrated as a quarterback. So I didn't think that situation was going to change for the running. And please stick to the plan. Got a hell of a strength there. Stick with uh, with Chubb and Hunt. And I said there I think there's gonna be value here. I'd rather, you know, grab Chubb uh, wherever I was in the, for the latter half of that first round, then you know get a and and it's not a it's not a you know a shade bell back, uh, but you know I've had Dalvin in the past. I think I've had like Derek before he broke out and I said I want to have fun. I want Chubb and I want some of that uh, you know green Chubb money. So uh, that that was my thinking on. on one of the reasons that I think at least Chubb wasn't ranked as high um, as some of the other guys that ended up going uh, after him in our draft was because of sharing that backfield with Kareem Hunt. And the Browns have showed uh, in the past couple of years that they're not afraid to give Kareem Hunt touches. Um, why didn't that scare you off? Just, it just didn't. I really have a you know, funny anecdote or any, like, you know, just call it a gut feeling uh, on that. I think he's still, he, he is the man there. Um, but year after year, Chubb uh, put up those monstrous numbers. And if Kareem Hunt would have uh, vultured that away, I think it would have happened, like, fairly soon after his Kansas City season, like, when he's younger and, and hungrier. And I think, you know, Hunt hasn't seemed to uh, – Vulture a greater share like year after year, so I feel like you can fact check in how how long Hunt's been there in Cleveland. But I I thought if if Hunt was going to make it a 50-50 or take a lot of it away, it would have been done like a year or two. Um, I can't think of anything that uh, so just call it a calculated risk. Yeah, call it fun yeah. factor, but you know just gotta go with your gut. Yeah, yeah, and and it seems that that has definitely paid off. That. Hunt is still getting some touches, but they know that Nick Chubb is their guy. He is their bell cow. He's getting all their important touches. He can do it all. The man runs angry, runs between the tackles. He's got crazy speed. He finishes. Uh, he's a touchdown machine. Fantastic pick there, Anthony. Uh, I want to talk about um, an area that you might be looking to improve. Now, obviously, you are the first place roster that comes with obvious implications of having um, strengths throughout. But as you think about your team 
um, what area would you identify as an area where you'd like to improve? Well, I, I'll say I'll, I'll look at my, uh, I think my wide receivers have uh, overperformed against expectations. Like Dotson was, uh, you know, was a dart throw at the end of my draft. And there were a few young rookies that, you know, he gave me a Devontae Smith kind of vibe, undersized, but great route runner. And, you know, for all of Wentz's shortcomings, I mean, he still, still put up a ton of numbers, a lot of garbage time numbers. So I thought, hey, you know, Dotson, I'll, I'll throw at, at here. And I feel like for him to be at four touchdowns this early in the season is, is very remarkable. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I'm really lucky there. And um, I was a Jerry Judy believer even during his, his, like, downturn last year, and I thought that was a Drew Lock issue. Um, but – he had a pretty bad sternum injury, and it's a long season. So, you know, the games that he's played, Jerry Judy is hooked up with uh, with Russ in Denver. I love it, but I feel like at any moment that four of mine is going to go down, or uh, Mike Evans is going to get into it with like a with Lattimore again and be suspended. Like, mm-hmm. I, I could say like, you know, the production's been great there, but it doesn't feel uh, like it's really solid like Chubb right now and even Najee uh, is like, you know, being an okay running back, I feel they're consistent, but I think my wide receiver room uh, is uh, overperforming right now. I'd say that's probably an area I'd like to store up. Yeah, that'll be interesting how it plays out. Mike Evans, you know, you drafted him to be your number one. Jerry Judy, while he's been healthy, uh, has been performing, has some connection with uh, Russ for sure. Uh, Romeo Dubs, love that addition. Um, I think you, you picked him up and dropped him maybe a couple of times, and seems like he is already starting to run <laughs> with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. You, know, you had that first week um, where you got some usage out of Mike Thomas. I think he had two touchdowns, and you know Mike is pretty fragile these days. He's uh, I think been out for a couple of weeks, but then you took that uh, gamble, that that draft gamble on DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, who's suspended. I think he's got a couple of more weeks sitting out. Uh, so it, it'll be really interesting to see uh, in two, three weeks where that wide, resu- wide receiver room is in terms of performance. Uh, oh, yeah, no, definitely. And I forgot, I forgot about how, oh, no, did the fact uh, did, uh, did it drop? I think the audio is still here. Yeah, I can, we can hear you. Oh, okay, great, great. Uh, I, you know, I, I did want to shout out to Brendan on his podcast, how I stole his you know, strategy of Kyler and, uh, and, uh, and Hopkins. Uh, I, I wasn't planning on it, but I had taken Kyler. And when I saw that Hopkins was buried down there, I said, crap, this is a long season. And, you know, let me get this, uh, like, arrested DeAndre, um, plenty of time to hide whatever he's doing. And, uh, you know, get him some fresh legs. So I, I was thrilled with finding him, at, you know, wherever I found him in the draft, knowing, hey, if I can, if I can uh, hold on for six weeks, that's a pickup I'm willing to take a huge swing on um, because if those guys, if those guys start cooking uh, middle, end of season, hey, watch out. You know, I completely forgot about, uh, about DeAndre because he's, he's just sitting there for two more weeks at least. 
Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, props to you, Anthony. I think I mentioned it once when we were talking on the phone, but you are the only guy that I know who is so committed to trolling that you will use the draft <laughs> as a way to agitate people in the league. Grabbing that combo of Kyler and Hopkins, grabbing Alexander Madison with your last pick just to taunt me and send me Alvin's <laughs> injury chart. Um, so w- wonderful, Anthony. You always keep it interesting. Uh, let's, let's transition here, talk about real football. Uh, as you look at the state of the league right now, four weeks in, what's capturing your attention, either on the field or off the field? You know, the big news, uh, big news today is just in the last, like, few hours is obviously the, uh, you know, Brady and Giselle divorce, and that's, that's really starting. And you hate to see that. And Anthony, on the field, it, if, um, I missed it. Can you say that again? Oh, I was saying, uh, can you hear me now, Zach? Yep. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, so probably want to cut and then maybe drop back in here uh, for editing, but uh I think the uh, you know Tom Brady and Giselle um, possibly heading for divorce that's really disheartening and, and you hate to see that um, but I do want to acknowledge that that's a really big headline out there right now and it's, it's something that surprised me this summer if you haven't seen it is the uh, Tom Brady's uh, <clears throat> like doc series that he, he filmed on himself which is so so it, like insisting upon himself. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed the hearing perspective on each of the Super Bowls, uh, especially the ones that he lost. And when you see the role that, you know, that, that he played in getting him through his time, like like some of his hardest times, Playgate, uh, uh, his mom's health, health issues, that, you know, it, it, it makes you appreciate, uh, you know, the realness of the relationship up and down. And, and you never want to see that. But I'd say another story that I wanted to talk about, sort of understated, is the value of um, and the continual, like, like uh, call it not not downgrading, but the uh, um, undervaluing of of black quarterbacks and this impossible double standard for black coaches and black quarterbacks, unless you're like Hall of Fame worthy, like Mike Tomlin, or you're coming out like Pat Mahomes. If you're middle, like, you know, middle tier, you're not given a chance to develop and, you know, mm-hmm. get through your growing pains. And a big surprise to me this year was, uh, was Geno Smith. And just yeah. before he, uh, he broke out, I would say huge props to Jason for, for believing in Geno. Um, we, were, we were sitting and we were, you know, and, and he sort of, we were sitting down uh, at a sofa and he was, we were watching the end of the game. And, uh, and I said, yeah, who's going to go after Gino? And he kind of said, nobody, nobody's going to go after Gino. I'm like, Jason, he going after Gino? He said, yeah. I'm like, well, I tell you, like, I actually had just, I'm almost, I don't know if it's, it's okay to read Deadspin because that's a whole other story about Deadspin. Um, if you remember the website that, you know, Deadspin Media and they went off the sector, but they had put out this article about Gino Smith's stats and looking at Gino Smith as quarterback and his production He's actually better at like going through his um, early years than Eli Manning was. Better than Eli. And when Ben McAdoo sent Eli for um, for Geno Smith, like number wise, money ball wise, was doing the right thing. But he committed a cardinal sin, like benching your franchise quarterback, your Iron Man, your Cal Ripken of the Giants. Yeah. 
which was unforgivable, and McAdoo got fired. So I thought, like, you know, that's a very understated story that, um, like, Geno Smith, like, and, he, and he's crushing it right now. And that shouldn't come to a surprise to any of us. But, but that's a, I think that's an awesome story to follow. Good for Geno. Yeah, yeah. Geno getting some love here on the show. You know, when they traded for Jake Locke earlier in that Russell Wilson trade, people just sort of figured that uh, Drew Locke would get the job. And Gino was patient. He was quiet. I mean, you heard Pete Carroll pumping him up in the media. And, and Pete Carroll was notorious for you know, believing in his guys. And you actually never know as a result of that. You never know who's actually good who's not, because he's going to talk the same way about everyone, but absolutely props to Dino for just quietly going about his job, and and not in an average manner. Like you said, he is crushing it. Uh, I, I can't remember the stats exactly, but I think he is right up there in terms of league leaders. He might be number one uh, in terms of accuracy this year, and he's solid, man. And even last year when he, he popped in for Russ when Russ was out with that finger injury for four games. He wasn't spectacular then, but then again, the offense wasn't designed for it. And this year, they've had the whole, he's had the whole offseason, the offense coordinator designing that offense around him, and he's showing up in a really big way. I remember the the only thing people used to talk about with Geno, other than that Eli benching, was the fact that he got punched in the face by his own teammate his rookie year when he was on the Jets. And, um, you know, there's, there's no oh way. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. There's that, no and that way. Was, yeah. In, yeah. In the rear view mirror than just like going out and crushing it and proving everyone wrong. wrong. So props, props to Gino. Everybody. Every, props to Gino. And, and full circle on, on Pete Carroll, because look at Russ's origin story. You, who, who was brought in to be the, the starter that year? Matt Flynn. And, and Russ had to unseat Matt Flynn to get the starting job there, right? And, or am I thinking about uh, the Raiders? No, it was Matt Flynn. It was Matt Flynn. Was it was. Friend. It was Matt Flynn. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to read it, but very worthwhile. And I'll put a plug in for the league podcast here. The Washington Post is doing a tremendous series on the state of coaches and the hiring trends and really delving into the data um, talking to current black coaches former black coaches um, former league executives just painting this essentially unassailable picture um, that racism has been an overwhelming issue for uh, for black coaches and you know one, one thing that stood out from that article I know this is a bit of a tangent one thing that stood out from um, that article is one of the former coaches was saying like you know, like it's real slick of the NFL to talk about all these things in terms of diversity. We, we need more diversity this, more diversity that. He's like, it ain't diversity. It's Black people, right? It's, it's saying diversity while there are opportunities you know, to give chances to folks of different background, the predominant issue is Black folks, right? Like it, w- without question, Black coaches aren't getting the same kinds of chances. Black coaches are the ones who are held to a higher standard or double standard, who are getting fired. Um, the, the stat that uh, stood out to me is a Black coach is as likely to get fired after a nine-win season mm-hmm. as a white coach is after a six-game season. 
And um, Anthony, yeah, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, and thank you for giving some recognition to someone uh, like Gino Smith, who hasn't earned the same kind of recognition that uh, a Lamar has a, even before the scandal, Deshaun Watson has, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, folks of that nature. So fantastic. Anthony, we've got a few oh, yeah. minutes here. Oh, yeah. I want to make sure that we end uh, on at least one mailbag question. Uh, and there are actually two questions that were very similar. I'll read one of them, uh, but they both had the same theme. Uh, after years of ineptitude, your team has been putting together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Brendan. Or is that Scott? No, no, no. Love it. Come on. <laughs> uh, exactly. yes. again, I don't know who's submitting these. It had a McFarland tone to it. I don't know if it was uh, Brendan or Matt. But after years of ineptitude, your team has been putting together a ton of solid seasons. What do you owe your recent success to? Uh, I think, I, I don't know, um, uh, you know, life is better in Lexington, Virginia. I, I, I really don't know. It's, uh, it's, I, I'm just living free right now and I, I think I'm getting lucky. Um, I don't think there's anything uh, special that I'm doing, but maybe I, I am doing is if I'm following the crowd, then I'm going to get the same results. Like, I'd rather um, like get a hot streak and like have the right guys at the end of the season rather than like have, you know, a pretty pedestrian team. Like I, I want to have something really special. Um, so, you know, I'll, I won't follow the, the big pundits, but I will follow, uh, you know, some crackpot theories, you know, the QAnon uh, message board is great for fantasy advice because everything in their world is a fantasy. So <laughs> I'm joking. I wouldn't do that. Um, I don't know what to tell you on that, but thank you. Uh, I, I own that ineptitude, but uh, I'm having fun. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and I know one thing related to this, one thing that we've talked about, again, because you, your guys used to be the Heinz Wards and Donald Drivers of the league, like steady 34, oh very average producers, right? And then a couple of years ago, you you said explicitly that you switched your strategy over to and I'm paraphrasing here, but like you might have just said it to like all the sexy young receivers and sexy rookies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think, yeah, that's true. I, I think I did. And and maybe that's like some of the first success I had in high school where like some of my, like my, my one championship team was led by a rookie, Tom Brady. Like that's how long it was. But that was so fun, like huge value because you just take them off waiver wires. Um, like people forget that before uh, Steve was she's the fastest, I was the first she's the fastest. Uh, and I was the first one to have like three stones on my team. Like, like finding those um, like rookies who would turn out to be a revelation, that's so much fun. And, you know, I think that's what it is. Like I'm getting back to fun rather than getting angry at my, uh, you know, my socks and bombs that aren't performing. Like Donald Driver, great at dancing with the stars but you know after like 15 years i can't expect you to produce anymore so I, you know that's you know it's, it's a young man's game so i'm just having fun with it nice man having fun and it seems like going back to your roots too on on picking uh rookie producers that can shoot for the moon there anthony let's get in one last mailbag question here uh before we finish up with the bold prediction uh if you were given full authority 
to change the rules or scoring, what change would you make? I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I like the, you know, our league democracy, and I think Brendan's done a great job of, like, shaking things up and, and keeping us, like, uh, his, you know, crazy system, and I say that in air quotes, uh, with, with the two quarterbacks, you know, I've, I've loved it. And I think we were ahead of the, uh, you know, the rest of the uh, so-called pundits. And I think it's why it's so hard to follow mainstream fancy advice because we have such a unique scoring system. So I don't think I make, uh, you know, anything major. Um, you know, there are fun ways of, uh, you know, introducing like, you know, defensive players or, uh, um, Oh, you know, here's one thing I would like to, I wouldn't choose, actually, I've, I've thought about this. If you have two equally good um, players on opposing teams, I'd love to, like to see some semblance of points given to having a player on a team that win, actually wins. Like, garbage time points just feel so cheap, you know. You know, defense is letting up, and it's so easy to rack up. And I benefit from this. Kyler, um, Kyler Murray, racking up, like, 10 points in the first three quarters, and then here comes another 25 in the fourth because the defense lets down. Like, I feel like that shouldn't be rewarded as much. So if there was, like, you know, in fantasy baseball, like, you know, if there was, like, a ticker column, if, like, you know, we have 10 players playing and you have one one team has more, like, winning teams, like, you'd like to sort of control for that, acknowledge that. I don't know if there's anything like that, but – it's a, it's a fun musing. I'm not that serious about it, but, you know, it's kind of a problem a problem I, I'd like to see solved, but not too much. Fascinating. So perhaps a, a bonus point or bonus points for a player whose team actually wins. That's, uh, that's creative. I like it. Um, Anthony, let's bring it home with a bold prediction. You are facing Pat this week. Uh, you are currently, for what it's worth, um, projected to lose by eight, but we all know that those things can be pretty shaky and they even out as the matchup approaches. Give us one bold prediction. Could be about your team and other people this year have also talked about just the league overall. Uh, one bold prediction to finish this out here. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything bold, <clears throat> Zach, but I would say uh, George Kittle finally goes crazy and scores like 50 points. You know, like two points, two points, like groin pull. Uh, see that coming out of nowhere. Um, it's probably not going to happen, but you know that'd be a fun prediction if it comes true. And then for the, you know, for the league, um, boy, I, I hate to see where uh, what what happened to Tua last week. You know, that's a that's an elf in the room that we haven't talked about. Um, and I know everyone's saying, hey, you know, Luke Steen is looking unstoppable with, uh, you know, Tua and Tyreek and Zach you know, high ceiling crew that he has. But um, I, I'm going to say, uh, you know, damn it all the hell, uh, Steve is just going to steal the uh, the milk off the Quickie Mark counter and uh, steal another uh, uh, championship with that. I'm sure he'll deserve. Um, and I'll say, you know, he'll continue to shock and surprise us, but it's not really that big of a surprise. So I, I'll go uh, in opposite direction. Congrats, yeah, Steve, uh, on with another Man, yeah, I will say the last two guests might have cursed Luke. We had Pat predicting a five-game win streak. 
Luke won that. Luke lost that next week. We had Scott predicting that Luke would win it all. Tua went down two days later. So Anthony's saying, to hell with all that. Uh, we'll just go with the tried and true. Steve-O somehow, some way, <laughs> pulling out his championship this year. We have it on the record. We'll see what happens. Anthony, thank you so much. This has been a blast. I appreciate you making the time, man. All right. And, uh, uh, gentlemen, I will troll each of you uh, on the thread. And just know I love you all.